0: Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series, interviews with top mortgage sales leaders. Learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started.
1: Hi, everyone. This is Pat Sherlock, and welcome to the podcast. Today's topic is really a crucial one, the future loan originator in light of Quicken's recent IPO. I have a terrific expert today with me who will share his thoughts. Kevin Peronio, is Chief Lending Officer of PRMG. He handles the eastern United States. Prior to that, he was with First Magnus and North Star. Hi, Kevin. Hey, how are you? Good. Well, I'm so excited to talk to you today about this topic, and especially with your extensive experience not only as being an owner but also as managing large sales staffs but first before we hop into that topic let's talk about how did you get into mortgage banking and managing and what was the best advice that you ever received on this topic
0: well i in it funny how everyone has a story how they they Mm -hmm. tripped into this this industry you know and it's always been a unique thing to talk about and you know i was working uh In Austin, Texas, I was at Dell Computers and they were going through a price war and some similar disruption to what we're seeing happen in our industry right now. And this was back in uh, 2001. And I just remember, you know, I was working so hard for the money I made and, you know, at 22, 23 years old. And it just, it looked like it was going to get even tougher and tougher. And I had no problem with that. But it's just, you know, you get in these low margin battles, you know, you start to go, you know, is this, Selling computers at Dell, is it viable? And a buddy of mine just said, you know, hey, I, I just, I left being a realtor for two years and I'm, I'm working at this company called First Magnus as a wholesale account executive. And he's like, I think you'd be great at it. And then I just tripped right into it and, you know, fell in love with the business, you know, 2001 in Austin, you know, very young age. And I love it. I mean, it's just a great way to get into it. And what's cool is you see organizations like NAMBA out there, you know, National Association of Minority Mortgage Bankers of America. They try and make college students intentional about coming into the business, as opposed to that story that like I knew someone and they gave me a job and I worked my sure. way up. You know that that typical story. So I love the fact that our industry is getting some credibility and and you know there's classes about it now and people literally truly have intent to get in there. So you know I think my story is probably like everyone else's that's that's my age, but you know that I, I love the fact that that's shifting and we're becoming more of a of a structured career path.
1: Well, Kevin, talk about the best advice you ever got in your first managing position. Uh, Talk about what that was like, and were there books or authors that you read that you would really recommend on this topic?
0: Yeah, you know, my my first two mentors in the business in Austin were uh, uh, Leslie Inman and uh, Ramaj Bali, and both of them, you know, we uh, we worked together coming out of uh, First Magnus, and you know, I just got to see all the hard work and all the, all the hard work and all the, you know, the, the ethic that Leslie put in the hours, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's just amazing to see, you know, and and then really get into the details. And what I liked, what Ramaj did is, you know, he, you know, he tried to be, you know, a thought leader and, and show us books. And so I think the one that probably stood out the most was from good to great. And uh, you know, all the, all the little taglines that go that with that, you know, Building clocks instead of telling time, and setting beehives, you know, big hairy audacious goals, and perfect is the enemy of great, you know, all these kinds of things that you just you just at a very young age. I'm mean, I'm 23, 24 years old, 25 years old, learning to be a leader, and and I think that. And then the final thing was, you know, uh, Ramaj acquired some more territory, acquired the state of, ter- of Florida, and you know, here I am, age 26. he's like, do you want to go move to Florida? and you know help me build that territory you know you get to be the guy over there you get to run the sales team and and so it was it was just kind of like someone giving me confidence to literally move across the state no friends no family just blow over to Tampa and then train a bunch of account executives and six months later they split the state in half and they said you want to move again and I moved to Fort Lauderdale 13 years I was there and it was just you know just those kinds of moves and 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 being bold and you know, just, just maybe being a little young and naive, but just, you know, ambitious. I think that all just kind of, you know, those are the things I guess in my early career uh, years here that, you know, stuck with me and and stick out.
1: Well, you've done so many things from an entrepreneurial standpoint and also obviously from scaling a large business, but what would you consider your greatest victory in your career?
0: You know, when you say victory, it's so funny. It makes me think of the Roman empire (laughs) and, you know, there, there's this thing, you know, when, when a, when a warrior would come back from battle, they'd parade him around in a chariot or, you know, around the circus circus. And everyone would be cheering him on about his great victory. But there was someone that they had, the emperor would have whispering in his ear the whole time. He said, all glory is fleeting. And he would whisper that over and over. So when you ask me that question, it just makes me think I should at least preface it and let you know that I don't take glory and victory very serious in this business for me it's just it's a continual process but you know answering the question it was really it was really nice to be given and earn my way into shares of a company twice um mm-hmm. once um, at a small little lender in south florida during the crash for about three years i brought my first magnus team after first management of business and paired up with a couple of local guys who had a small lender and you know, they didn't really have the financing to get it off the ground, but I learned so much in three years. Literally learned how to run a lender from soup to nuts. I mean, I just just learning on the fly, like learn how to hedge, taught six people how to hedge, worked with hedging companies and analytics companies. And, you know, we started, you know, I, I personally filled out an application for Fannie Mae. We got approved approve of Fannie Mae. And then they got taken to conservatorship two months later. And, <laughs> and then I had to, you know, and then our subservicer got in a money problem. So we had like Fannie's like, hey, you got a month do something with your portfolio that you've been servicing. So we're like, okay, I guess I'll just take it in house. So I'm learning investor accounting and hiring people. And, and so just that three years was really fun to learn how to run a business and then parlay all that experience into meeting Paul and Robert, the two founders here, Paramount Residential Mortgage Group, Paul Rosso and, and Robert Holliday, and realizing that you know, when you pair with people who are like-minded and do business the right way, that you can grow something special and if you really want to get big in this business on the banking side, the lender side, it is absolutely a team sport. It is not a one person show. It is not a two person show. I mean, we have twenty three hundred employees here. And so being a partner here with two great founders and then obviously with Gary Malice, you know, those are those are all victories along the way of battles, you know, that have been won. And it's all part of the war that we're continually waging to, you know, protect the local originator. You know, that, that's kind of how I look at it.
1: So when you look at it, especially over the span of years, you've seen the good and the bad. What was the greatest lesson you learned in your career?
0: Probably be a little better with my money when times are good. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I, I, just, you know, I'm 43 now. I, am not. I don't. I'm not a. I don't have. I'm not a regretful kind of person. Like I don't. I'm, I'm almost like, you know, analytical and robotic, from that perspective. You know, my my father has a master's in double E. You know, he went to LSU, got a double engine, electrical engineering degree, and then you know worked for two years and worked for Westinghouse in Baltimore, and then Tex Instruments said, "Come to Dallas, and we'll pay for your master's and double at SMU." And so I kind of have that mindset. So for me, like you know, when something happens, it's like, okay, this happened. How do I react to it? Let's move on. You know, just boom, boom, boom. like I, I, don't know. Like I don't fear having to start over or build anything from scratch. It just there's something programmed in me that doesn't really worry about loss. So uh, there's a lot of lessons that I've learned along the way. And, you know, I, I wish, of course, that I was better at managing my money earlier in life and maybe saved a little more. But I mean, I'm also not I'm not sitting here saying that, you know, I didn't do a good job of it. I just always feel like I can do better than what I've done. And and the reason I bring that up is because I have four kids now, which I did not foresee back then. And they are damn expensive. So, um, you know. <laughs> especially here in Southern California. So, sure. you know, I'm like, wow, maybe if I saved a little bit more, like, you know, but who knows, maybe now now it's all the rage not to send your kids to college and pay those big tuitions. So maybe, maybe I won't have to worry about that. They'll figure out their own way without going to school. So
1: yeah. That's so funny. I, I think we need to have another topic just on that one because it is a good topic because so mm-hmm. often you see, you know, obviously when things are great, then everything's wonderful, but likewise, when they turn the other way, uh, savings do count. Well, I think this is a good chance to talk about the future role of the loan officer, the originator, and especially in light of Quicken just recently filed for an IPO. Talk about your thoughts on the role of the originator, how it will change, uh, what do you see, um, and then talk in light of, obviously, this would be the first time that outside investors would be coming back into the mortgage banking world, which is obviously pretty exciting. So what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, th- th- there's a lot to unpack there. And, and mm-hmm. let me just it by saying I do have respect for what Quicken has done as an independent mortgage banker. You know, they have their own model. They have the way to do things. You know, they're they're not a bank. You know, they're not a hedge fund. They're not mm-hmm. backed by, you know, those those kinds of entities that think a certain way. You know, if you look into the story, you know, they started as, you know, some private people just trying to make their way. And they have really turned into something big. And I, I like that aspect of their origin. IPO, you know, they, they've they done such a good job of marketing. I mean, you can't ask anyone about Rocket Mortgage and they don't know what it is. You know, it's everywhere. I mean, it's just everywhere. They're making a run. One out of 10 loans goes to them. I think they have nine, like 9.5% market share. So basically right. one out of every 10 loans goes to them. They're really well known for Consumer Direct. So, you know, they're the people on the headsets. You know, calling and, and creating a, um, a, a process. I'm not. I don't like that model. Just me personally. Like you know, maybe it's just because I've never been in it. I didn't. I didn't grow up in it. And I, and I and I worked at a call center. I mean, I worked for Dell Computers for a year and a half. We had 800 home sales reps. This is just the home sales division. And I have to remember that those commercials, like, dude, you're getting a Dell. That little mm-hmm. dude Steven talk, and you know, you call the 800 number. I was on that headset. I was number one in close rate out of 830. People, number one in close rate. So I know that environment. I know how to take a call and sit on the headset and talk to people and you know, add the high margin products, the printer, the service plan, the cameras. The, I, I get that model. It's like a factory. And, you know, and I get it. Like people want convenience and they provide a good product. I just respect the local originator more. If you're an independent mortgage banker, you you see when they do an IPO, it brings credibility to our business, you know, because. Because Wall Street mindsets out there, these are not mortgage bankers, these are investment bankers. And they look at us like, you know, like, oh, it's mortgages. Are these the people that you know, wrecked the economy in 08? No, we're the people that foster the American dream. So whether it's Quicken, someone on a headset, or a local originator, all of us together, we're putting people in houses. We are literally saving the economy right now. We are the bright spot. We were the reason everything went down in 08 and we're so fortunate to have a redo right now that we are the bright spot. So so look, you know, I, I can have healthy competition with, you know, someone, you know, like Quicken and talk about them, but also at the same time, you know, be respectful about you know what they've done and what they bring to the table while while professing that I just think a local originator is a better experience. And having said that, I just saw a stat today that home ownership is at 67.9% in Q2. I mean, just the jump that just happened, people switching from being renters to homeowners because of where we are. And whether it's Quicken, you know, one out of 10 loans, or independent mortgage bankers, originators at the local level, we are helping push this economy forward. And right now, today, that number came out 67.9% is the homeownership rate in America. I mean, it's amazing.
1: Yeah, it is amazing. But let's move away a little bit from Quicken and talk about how you see, especially since you've been involved with wholesale and also retail origination and correspondent. How do you see that role of a loan officer? How do you see that changing? For instance, do you see now, of course, because of COVID, uh, people are supposed they need to do video, they have to do other things. Uh, Do you see it playing out that that's going to be the normal way that we're doing business?
0: I think it's a little bit of both so there's traditional way of marketing um, if you're a local originator but then also some more consumer direct activities. so I I have a phrase that I coined I haven't heard anyone else use it so feel free to borrow it I did a whole I did a couple seminars in the last 12 months creating what's called a path to pivot and -hmm. what that means is it, it, it helps our traditional loan officer pivot to more consumer direct activities now I'm not saying go sit in a call center and just buy a bunch of leads. I'm saying get in front of the eyeballs where they are. And so whether it is through social media or media marketing or a blend of using some um, lead generation marketing with some of the websites out there, incorporate some of that into the way we operate. You have to be diversified. You know, you have to be diversified in how you, if you're getting deals from the same three realtors for the last 10 years, well, you know, one of one of them retires or one of them, you know, you know, just whatever. They're no longer an option. I mean, you know, is a 30-year business gone? You know, what what are you doing to diversify? So, you know, we have a changing demographic. I mean, obviously, depending on what report you read, you know, the average age of the LO is a few years ago is 55. Maybe now it's 52 or 51. It is skewing younger. And the first-time home buyer is 33 or 32, again, depending on which report you read. So there's a gap there. There's a generational gap. And there's also, There's also a gap in where people get their information. I mean, people are searching nine to 10 different places online before they ever even talk to anybody. But if they talk to you as an originator and you're the first one they talk to, the odds of you getting that deal is about 55%. Now, if that borrower actually shops and talks to two different originators, the first or second originator get those loans 88% of the time, almost nine out of 10 times. So the idea is, you know, whether you want to say speed to lead or um, path to pivot to more consumer direct activities, you've got, you've got to be where the eyeballs are. Once that consumer wants to engage, they want to engage right then, right now, instantly at the grasp of their fingers on their cell phone. Fourth industrial revolution, you get what you want, how you want, when you want, interconnected globally at the palm of your hands on a cell phone. So How are you there? You know, are you on social media at all? People are afraid to get on Instagram or Facebook because they think it's, you know, it's childish but it's actually reputation management. You're actually putting your reputation out there. You would talk to someone in a grocery store if they brought up a house or a kid's t-ball game. So talking about it, you know, whether you know, through audio or a video, you know, I, I, there's, just, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Some people like to write long form. We're doing a podcast right now. You know, I, I, I attended, I'll, I'll button this up with one little point here, which gives you some, some, um, some real confidence in this podcast. I attended uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's 4D's training a year ago in New York. He's, he owns VaynerMedia, people sure. call him Gary, Gary V. It's the Daily Digital Deep Dive. And they're, they're a modern digital advertising agency. I have an advertising degree. I worked at two advertising agencies actually before I got into Dell Computers. And what they said about podcasting was, it's not about how many people listen, it's that they listen. And so you could have five people, you could have 50 people, you could have 500 people, it doesn't really matter. But people that listen to your podcast, fifty percent of them, if they listen to your podcast, will buy whatever you're selling within thirty days. so so it just it just depends on you know what it is you're selling. Like you know here we're we're just we're just talking. We're selling knowledge, we're selling reputation. We're just talking about the industry. But if you were overtly selling something and you were talking about mortgages as an originator, it, it you don't get caught up in like how many people listen. Like if three people listen, and one of them does a loan, then do a podcast every week and you know, that's, you know, four or five extra loans a month. That's huge. So so you know, it's just you just gotta do it though. You gotta put yourself out there.
1: Well I agree with you a hundred percent. And especially I'm involved with sales training and certainly what I see is so many originators and I think the refinance market certainly encourages to forget about marketing, but they really need to recognize this is a different game. And going forward, we're talking about uh, exactly what you're saying is that you have to get your reputation out there and it has to be done in a different way. Well, the time has flown by. Kevin, is there a couple points that you would want the listeners to take away for today's topic?
0: Again, I, I, think, I think if you're a local real estate agent or local originator, there is a strength in numbers approach for us. And, you know, I don't know if there's any Game of Thrones fans out there. I don't watch a lot of TV, but I came out of TV retirement to watch that. And, you know, they they say winter is coming. And before before the bat virus came from Wuhan, we were worried about fintech disruption. And so everyone has to unite together. If you are a local originator or real estate agent, you have to band together because Consumers are going to choose you know, an easier, cheaper, better, and faster solution. Remember the old adage, cheaper, better, faster, pick two? Sure. Amazon Amazon has made it all three. And, and the Amazon effect is real. It will be in our business. It will continue to come because the consumers demand it. And so this strength in numbers approach of local originators and real estate agents banding together and then both doing more consumer-facing marketing activities it's a survival tactic you must do this and it's going to, it we're just we watched it over time it's been happening it's going to continue to move in that direction i i you know no matter what channel you're in no matter what company you're working for you know just try and take control of that aspect of of your communication and your and your and your sales uh skills and your marketing and and keep that in mind because i think there's going to be a calling of the herd over time and you know but only only the strong will survive so I'm really appreciate you you know having me here and putting me on your on your podcast this is really special for you to invite me I really appreciate it Pat.
1: Well you were terrific and I want to thank you Kevin for sharing your thoughts today and I want to suggest for everyone subscribe to where you listen to your podcast and rate today's episode I'll also go to com for our sales services and sign up for my weekly sales blog Kevin you were great. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it.